0: The following is brought to you by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Michael Boling, Frank Latuca, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, Will Harris, and Craig. Welcome everybody to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast for Wednesday, March seventeenth, twenty twenty one. Oh, can you can you hear that? Can you hear the champagne corks popping? Can you hear the knees shuffling? Can you hear the footballs being spiked? Because nationwide. From sea to shining sea, the Biden administration is letting you know they did it. The American Rescue Plan. Some thought it was impossible. Some thought even after Biden got voted in that it couldn't happen. Well, Georgia runoffs make it possible and joe crosses the goal line and that's why president biden vice president harris their spouses and various assorted characters will be up and down this fine country for the next month while congress is not doing much to let you know that this is their doing They want you to remember those stimmy checks. They want you to remember that unemployment. They want you to remember those vaccines because they want you to remember to vote blue in 2022. So, while the administration's gaze is on uh, sales. Not really a whole lot of high-pressure things to talk about. Or are there? Because there are still legislative priorities for the Democrats. And the question is exactly how they're going to do it. They had to use reconciliation to get a COVID bill over the finish line at the number that they wanted. So... What are they going to be able to get consensus on? Maybe it's time to relax the filibuster. Maybe it's time to do away with it. Full stop. We will get in to that debate, including an ominous warning from a voice that was right in the past. Meanwhile, while... All the backs are being slapped and the fives are being hide. Is there another crisis brewing underneath the nose of the Biden administration? Is it already getting kind of out of control now? And will all of the look at us, we did it talk ring hollow as the nation looks toward what's happening on the border? Should the Biden administration take this more seriously is something that we will talk about today. But is all of this serious government resource talk obscured by our current culture of celebrity? We examine that with the help of Slate pop critic Jack Hamilton. Burr.
1: filibuster has played a huge role in the history of the Senate this morning that power of open-ended debate has been dramatically cut back.
2: Say to my friends on the other side of the aisle you'll regret this and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. I think the loss will be enormous uh, and and one that uh, all parties involved will come to regret.
0: The voices you hear are from eight years ago 2013. Barack Obama was not pleased with the speed that he was getting his appointees through. And so the Democrats affected the filibuster so they could get judges appointed. The the sounds you heard were not only the news anchor, but Mitch McConnell issuing an ominous warning that the Democrats would regret what they had wrought and the final voice there was barack obama himself who as a senator in 2005 said that adjusting the filibuster would be a mistake when the republicans were the ones who wanted to do it so first things first for those just catching up what is a filibuster Theoretically, it's delaying legislation by way of a prolonged speech. Uh, For those of you guys who listen to Raise the Dead season two, uh, this happened for a very, very long period of time where there was an actual speech on the floor with uh, a bunch of segregationist Democratic senators that were trying to block the civil rights legislation in 1963 it doesn't always have to be uh you know the marathon speaking stuff there there are procedural uh, procedural ways that technically you know the the fear of a filibuster an indefinite filibuster can effectively kill the momentum of a bill so just the concept of it is what matters can somebody throw this bill indefinitely into the muck can they throw the, the, the business of the Senate into the muck if you don't have enough votes for something. That's what matters. And by the way, the words of Mitch McConnell in 2013 did indeed ring true. Democrats did come to regret the fact that the threshold for Supreme Court nominations was lowered. Well, I mean, Democrats regret it if the names Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett all appointed under Trump. Only Gorsuch got any bipartisan support. He got three Democrats to vote for him. Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh got zero. So now the the Democrats are looking to the rest of the Biden administration. They're looking to 2022, and they're saying... Ah, oh, jeez. Uh, we'd always been able to do bipartisan COVID bills. We knew we had to move fast on this one. So reconciliation was the path. But if you guys didn't buckle on COVID, well, I mean, we're certainly not going to get anything done on immigration. We're not going to get anything done on climate. I mean, it's going to be pulling teeth to do something like infrastructure, which is likely the next priority for the Biden White House. So either we sit in gridlock with this 50-50 split that we have with, with Harris providing the tiebreaker, or we open up the pit a little bit. You know, let's relax the filibuster even more so it's not just about court appointments now. We can actually get some stuff done. We can go back and tell our voters we did it. We did it. We put in climate policy that makes sense that'll save the earth. We we put in gun legislation we, we, we did everything that we said we were going to do, that we were campaigning on. That's what we did. We got to Washington and we made it happen. That's what they're thinking. And yet, oh, there's a voice in the distance.
2: There's an ironic element to this whole conversation. Some Democratic senators seem to imagine this would be a tidy trade-off. If they could just break the rules on a razor-thin majority, sure, it might damage the institution. But then nothing would stand between them and their entire agenda, a new era of fast-track policy making. But Mr. President, anyone who really knows the Senate knows that's, that's not what would happen. This chaos would not open up an express lane to liberal change. It would not open up an express lane for the Biden presidency to speed into the history books. The Senate would be more like a 100-car pileup. Nothing moving.
0: That is Mitch McConnell promising, not threatening, promising that if you thought the filibuster was the problem, you have no idea what you are doing. I edited down that part of the speech. But he goes into very specific detail on every single rule that he would put into place where he would make hard for the Democrats to do anything. As, as he put it, this is a body that requires unanimous consent to turn the lights on before noon. To have anything get through at, at, at anything other than a snail's pace. That requires consent and physical quorum to not read the entirety of a bill. Stuff that already happens when things get heated. So, Mitch McConnell's point first is, if you think this makes things go faster, allow me to disabuse you of that notion. But then he goes further. Because that's that's just regret on like okay well we tried a thing and and it and it didn't work. That really doesn't move politicians all that much. What moves politicians is putting a very specific idea of exactly how this move would not only backfire on the politicians that are there now but on the Democratic Party for, Decades to come. And McConnell lays out a laundry list of in a world where there is no filibuster, what he and his party would do as soon as they got back in charge.
2: The last time a Democratic leader was trying to start a nuclear exchange, I remember offering a warning. I said my colleagues would regret it a lot sooner than they thought. How about this? Nationwide right to work for working Americans. Defunding Planned Parenthood in sanctuary cities on day one. A whole new era of domestic energy production. Sweeping new protections for conscience and the right to life of the unborn. Concealed carry reciprocity in all 50 states in the District of Columbia. Massive hardening of security on our southern border.
0: The other part about this is that for every element of their agenda that the Democrats get to crow about, the Republicans can run against leading up to 2022. If anything, the the, the narrative pendulum will be, OK, now we can get the machine gun. The danger is that not only do you give a fractured Republican Party a universal clarion call on how to run a campaign against you and unite their warring tribes, but you're also, and I hate to say it, going to give a more effective senatorial creature in Mitch McConnell the, 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 the blade to wield. Because I do think that he's better at this than Chuck Schumer. I do think that he can get his ducks in a row when he needs to better than Chuck Schumer. So is the filibuster done for? Uh, You've heard some rumblings about whether or not you would actually make it a little bit more costly. Joe Manchin, who's a steadfast opponent and without his vote nothing none of this would happen uh he said that 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 it should be something where you should have to actually be out there speaking the entire time but i don't suspect it's going to happen i don't suspect it's going to happen under biden's watch mostly because biden does know the senate i think this is airing out some grievances so the more progressive parts of the party can feel like they've reached their hand toward that burning stove. But I don't think that it's going to happen. Border talk is back on the menu, folks. Uh, Is it a crisis? Do we have a border crisis? Is it a border situation? Is it a border happening? Is it a, 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 a border accident? I, I, I expect that we are going to... I think we already are. We're, we're in one of those very frustrating political moments where we're going to fight about a word and like one side's going to dance around using a word when really we're all talking about the same thing. And here's what we're talking about. There's a lot of people crossing the border right now and it's begun overwhelming some of our facilities on the border, there is obviously a sense that with Donald Trump out of office, that now is when you should come to America beyond the proper channels. I don't know whether or not you can say Biden is to blame for it. That That's a political conversation that we're going to have to have. But the reality is this is happening and it's starting to burst at the seams. And even if you were still on the air, this isn't a Lou Dobbs fever dream here. Quote the New York Times on Monday, more than 9,400 minors ranging from young children to teenagers arrived along the border without parents in February alone nearly a threefold increase from last year at the same time. These migrant children are being forced to sleep on gym mats with foil sheets and go for days without showering as the Border Patrol struggles to handle the thousands of young Central Americans who are surging across the southwestern border. At the heart of this is a change between the Biden and Trump administrations. Trump administration would send unaccompanied minors back to Mexico. Or at least back across the border, which is Mexico. They might not have come from Mexico. They often come from various places through Central America. But that was the Trump policy. The Biden policy is not to do that because they often face uncertain situations from whence they came. But at the same time, that means that now this is on the watch of Biden and the numbers are starting to get a little large. The Biden administration is co-opting the Dallas Convention Center to house 2000 migrant teenagers. As of Sunday, there were 4,200 children in U.S. Border Patrol custody, and that might not be the only one. Other sites are under consideration, including Moffitt Airfield in Silicon Valley. So I got a question for you. After listening to what I just said, are we facing a crisis? There are Some counter arguments to it, including the fact that spring is the time when the most migrations happen comes after the cold winter months before the brutal summer heat on the border. The Biden administration's head of Homeland Security says that this is not a crisis. It's a difficult situation and defended the policy of not expelling the children. Quote, they are vulnerable children and we have ended the prior administration's practice of expelling them. He's got it. Not a crisis. It's a, it's a it's a difficult, a border difficult. But here's the problem. The dam is starting to break even on Biden's own side. Joe Scarborough called Biden's uh, policies permissive on the border and Manchin Joe Manchin, granted, the most centrist senator on the Democratic side there is, so he'd be the first to do it no matter what, but he went and used the full C word yesterday. He said crisis. And that's before we get to what the Republicans are going to do with this. I mean, hell, if you thought AOC made a meal out of kids in cages... Just wait until the the, the the House GOP gets down there so they can talk about kids in convention centers. This is, I mean, I'm not even kidding. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, House Minority Leader, was down there uh, earlier this week. We got word today that Senator Ted Cruz and John Cornyn is going to lead a Senate delegation to the southern border on March 26th. And who knows where the situation is going to be at that point how many Fox News primetime A-blocks will have whipped the nation into whatever kind of frenzy. This has been a situation that I've kept my eye on for a little while because it was very curious to me as the COVID bill was going through that the Biden administration was reacting to it because they don't want to react to it, not at all. They want all of your focus on those stimmy checks. They want all of your focus on vaccines. They want all of your focus on all that. The last thing they want you to do is to let this warm, fuzzy we're beating the pandemic feeling go away, because you're looking at pictures and videos of uh, uh, poor kids sleeping on cold convention center floors, being allowed to shower once every 48 hours, and they certainly don't want any thread of maybe Trump was right on the border. They don't want that in your head at all. No, 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 no. But when Joe Scarborough on MSNBC is out there saying that Biden's policies are permissive, what other A to B connection are you supposed to make? Now, Biden's in a pickle on this one. Because there's not a lot he can do. I mean, he can reverse his own policy. He can become more of a border hawk. He can cede the fact that this is a problem and and do something like that. But that seems unlikely. Short of passing a sweeping immigration reform, there's nothing that Congress can really do. So it looks like the Democrats are just going to have to eat this. Biden's just going to have to eat this. And the only question is just how difficult this crisis gets. Some of y'all that live outside of the United States might have been on top of this, or some of you guys that are really into the COVID news might have been following it, but it has been my obsession over the past couple of days. What the hell is happening with this vaccine situation in Europe? Oh my god. You know, not only were, were were the EU countries not doing great with their vaccine rollout, but some of the countries that have been hit the hardest through 2020, Spain, Italy, France, they just suspended usage of one of Europe's most popular vaccines, AstraZeneca. They didn't have enough, and then they stopped using it because there were some patients in the Netherlands that got blood clots. Blood clots that, at least to this point, considering 17 million people have gotten this shot, are not above the statistical average of what you would expect people who got vaccinated to have random ailments and they and they stopped doing it meanwhile these variants are, are are ripping through Europe you you can watch the the cases have not risen in in the places that have had heavy vaccine adoption at least relative to the world like the United States the United Kingdom uh, uh, Israel but they're rising again in Europe and they suspended this vaccine i mean this is crazy to me and I've written a bunch about it in the free political newsletter the newly minted free political newsletter newly reformed I wrote about it on Sundays and for the first time I wrote more about it when more news broke when when uh, when I wrote the first one on Sunday only Ireland and the Netherlands in, in Europe had suspended it but than on Monday, uh, the major EU countries did. France, Italy, Germany, including Germany! Germany suspended, they've been the model of, of, of how to handle this stuff in, in Europe. Oh boy. That went out to to paid subscribers on, on Substack, which is now where we run stuff. Uh, you guys were so nice, some, some of you guys were so nice that you just became subscribers. Despite the fact that I made no promises to do any bonus stuff, at all and yet you guys showed up so so i i I gave a little exclusive stuff you can indeed become a paid subscriber of the free political newsletter how funny is that so i i figured i would update it and that's what i'm going to do going forward if there's something that i write about in the newsletter i find really important that kind of falls between the cracks of the news cycle i'm going to write about it there on the Free Political Newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Become a paid subscriber to the Free Political Newsletter and you will be my favorite oxymoron. I love doing this. Writing was always my first love before talking, before I was mugging in front of a video camera. It's always been about writing. It's been invigorating to do it again. freepoliticalnewsletter.com Celebrities, politics, specifically celebrities in Democratic politics, are found together quite often. But does it actually help candidates get elected? And is the messaging of those two worlds ultimately corrosive when combined? We found someone to talk about it, and we found the perfect mascot to discuss this issue through. Apologies to everybody listening in or from New Jersey, I come as a, as a former Hoboken resident in peace, but there will be some boss slander in this interview. We're going to we're going to dig into Bruce Springsteen as a mascot for democratic politics. And we're going to do it with the help of a professor of American and Media Studies at the University of Virginia. He's also a pop critic for slate.com and the author of Just Around Midnight: Rock and Roll and the Racial Imagination. Jack Hamilton. Welcome to the show, Jack.
1: Thanks for having me, Justin. I'm excited to excited to talk. All
0: right, we're I I I want to start off here because one of the biggest surprises that I've had with my audience is that they love inside journalism conversation and there's something that has vexed me for as long as I've been involved friends with journalists involved in journalism gone to journalism school worked in newspapers what is the media fascination with bruce springsteen like <laughs> yeah, it is it is question. uncanny <laughs> uncanny and, and and i don't know if people can fully under, it's not just like there's a few bruce springsteen fans they're yeah. all they, like it, it's as if you found out that all architects were into fish like you just like like it is it is staggering the amount of bruce devotees can you explain mm-hmm. this to me
1: yeah. I mean, no, not really. <laughs> but like, I mean, it is really interesting. I mean, it's like, it's particularly pronounced among sports writers. They literally. love
0: it. I watched, yeah. I watched. So the, the, the school I went to Syracuse the daily orange I worked is a, a factory for people that, that go mm-hmm. into sports journalism and are to this day among the highest echelons. I watched as young 17 and 18 year old boys, just morphed into Bruce Superfans yeah, like yeah. before my
1: eyes. I don't know what it was it like, it's like a cult. It's like Nixium. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I think some of it is like, so, I mean, I think that, you know, you it, it, not to generalize too much, but I think if you think of this typical Springsteen fan, it's sort of maybe like a white guy who's like, you know, middle-aged or older, although certainly there's like younger, uh people in this demographic too but like yeah i mean which is generally speaking like a sort of common type in media and certainly for a long time has been like the the common types to like get very far so it's like so it was interesting like yeah a couple years or this was longer than a couple years ago but i remember like david remnick the editor of the new yorker wrote like this massive springsteen profile that was in the new yorker that i think he then turned into a book and i was like at the time i was like oh i didn't know that David Remnick was like such a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, but then I was like, of course, David Remnick's such a huge. Yeah. Springsteen fan. Yeah. yeah. He's, like, he's Springsteen's demographic. And yeah, I mean, I think like, you know, um, I mean, Springsteen's certainly a great songwriter who like writes, you know, this sort of kind of literate brand of. He's a real. He's like a writer's writer. I think. Yeah. You know? No, he's not, he's
0: great. He's great. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have anything against the boss. Like, uh, please, uh, uh, save your New Jersey emails. Like, I am. Yeah, I am not. Yeah, I'm yeah, not here yeah. to slander Bruce Springsteen. Uh, I thought the Jeep ad was a little overdone, but but yeah, by and totally, large, totally. like, I, I I think he's he's great. I I, I enjoy uh, you know summer cracking a beer, listening to Bruce Springsteen, and that's a, that, that, that always always a great time. But yeah. I guess I guess maybe it is. I guess I hadn't really thought about that, that there is like this synthesis of pop listenability and mm-hmm. literary like it just it that much more dense. There's like like two or three more layers than your average anthem, totally. right? Kind of kind of writer and, and his, 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 his stuff is a little bit more thick than 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 average.
1: Yeah, and he's also like his career, you know, the, like the other person that I would put in that category very much is like Bob Dylan obviously. But Dylan I think is like maybe his stuff is even is almost a little bit um even more literary and sort of abstract than Springsteen's like Dylan's not as much of a sort of focused on kind of like sort of Americana storytelling, at least not as in no no all, 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 way.
0: All, all the Dylan heads are artists. Like all the like, people that total, I know who total, are like yeah, super yeah. into Dylan are all people who make their living in, in some kind of esoteric thing. And, and so totally, they can yeah. dig into that, yeah, that, Spring- that, that, misanthropic element of Dylan.
1: Springsteen's way more populist than Dylan is. I would yes. say that, but yeah, yeah.
0: And that's a great segue into why you're on because you wrote a great thing for uh, Politico about the idea of Bruce Springsteen politics or at mm-hmm. least the branding of and, and using Bruce specifically as a, a, a way to drill down into a demographic and raise money for democratic causes. Uh, uh, can you can you just real quick explain the 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 phenomenon that you were detailing in in the Politico piece?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I was asked to write that piece initially as like um, it was it, was, it kind of initially conceived as just like a piece of like what's the deal with um, Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama's podcast um, and like you know, and I listened to that a couple episodes of it and i thank you for your
0: service by the way yeah
1: yeah i wasn't really into it but i also was like i don't think i'm really like the audience for this um in a number of ways but then i would start thinking i was like who is the audience for this and also like what is it about bruce springsteen that makes him to maybe to a lot of people someone that they would just like really naturally want to hear in conversation with obama and vice versa you know these are two guys that like ostensibly do quite different things, you know, like, and yeah. it's like, maybe aren't like, I, there's people I'd rather hear interview Bruce Springsteen about his music than Barack Obama. And there's people I'd rather hear interview Barack Obama about politics than Bruce Springsteen. But like, yeah, so it was sort of what's the democratic, longstanding democratic fascination with Bruce Springsteen, which really, I think, goes back to at least the 1980s. Oh, for you know, sure. When he sure. Yeah. Um, when he was, you know, pretty uh, openly anti-Reagan. Um and certainly since I think since 2004, Springsteen has like explicitly endorsed every Democratic candidate for president. Um, and it's sort of interesting because to me, what was interesting about it was it seemed to be almost like a precursor of something that I've noticed in the last decade or so, which is like this sort of growing tendency of of Democrats to sort of latch onto popular culture generally, yeah. Um, as a sort of vehicle through understanding. Um political figures and like, you know, just thinking about all the like, and we, people kind of roll their eyes at it, but it's like the, you know, the memes that are like the Democrats as the Avengers or like, you know, sure. yeah. um, you know, uh, Donald Trump as Voldemort, from Harry Potter. It's although, like, although God.
0: Trump, Trump's team did steer into that as, as their old uh, uh, sense deposed campaign head right. was like uh, d- pushing memes of him as Thanos. But I guess that was even, <laughs> yeah, yeah. even, yeah. even then, <laughs> that was playing against this well understood trope that you know democrats see themselves as harry potter and and exactly. so so yeah. let's let's be voldemort and let's that's the way that we can trigger them
1: totally exactly exactly so it's like working within that sort of Yeah, that mode of kind of weirdly like sort of like using pop culture as like kind of a metaphor through which to understand politics or possibly vice versa. Um, And it was interesting because I just was like, oh, Springsteen actually seems to me to be like an early um, precursor to this, even though maybe especially because I think like a lot of Bruce Springsteen's fans don't think of his music as existing on the same continuum of these other pop cultural entities that we see as more kind of like and commercial and things like that. Um, even though Bruce Springsteen's obviously sold a ton of records. <laughs> it is, you know, himself extremely wealthy. Sure. Um, so like, yeah, I just said, so, so that was like part of like, you know, um, yeah, thinking about sort of continuities there.
0: Man, I don't know where to start first, but I do want to real quick circle back around the the, the, the Obama Springsteen podcast because mm-hmm. I share, I have not listened to it, full disclosure, I share your general sense of like why yeah. uh, this this does not particularly seem to be uh, something that I would that I would be interested in in that conversation unless I I mean even if I was a, I mean, I guess, if I were a super fan of one of them and so literally mm-hmm. them talking to anybody about anything was going to be worth it, then sure, that's as good as anything else. But the thing that you described in your piece, Which is it cemented the fact that unless I got paid for it, I would probably not listen to it, is this idea of Barack Obama, super famous, iconic ex-president, Bruce Springsteen, music god, talking to each other about how, well, you know, two guys from from two different sides of the tracks who would have thought huh like barry barry and bruce like nobody uh, it was like like like, like 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 the paul rudd meme like like yeah, who would totally. have thought and, and it's like no you guys have probably hung out like a lot like totally, you guys totally. like if anyone's gonna be at a if he's if one of them's having a dinner party they're probably saying to their wife like oh what's bruce doing what's what's barry yeah, doing totally, can we get totally. him over yeah. Like, like, but but I think that is part of what we're getting at the the concept of it that Bruce is forever the working class hero, no matter how mm-hmm. rich he gets. Obama is forever the scrappy senator, hope and change, no matter how long he goes into his uh, reverence as, mm-hmm. as 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 an ex president. You make the argument that the Democrats might be too reliant on these kind of archetypes. Why?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, so, I mean, one thing is that, like, I think that, like, there's, it has its, you know, a lot of limits politically. Um, Like, this is something that it's, like, it's not useful, I think, to conceive of politics through celebrities and through, like, sort of famous people and, like, and also through, like, you know, things like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which, like, exists to sell movie tickets. Like, it doesn't exist to, you know, so I think there's just, like, there's limits to that. Um, You know, uh, I I think also, like, this sort of conflation of politics and fandom is generally really bad. I mean, like, we're seeing this, like, I mean, I should say, too, that it's, like, one of the reasons I, like, wrote this is, like, I am certainly politically sort of to the left. Um, And I'm seeing what has happened in the Republican Party, which is, like, this celebrity figure. I mean, Donald Trump, I think, is, like, the quintessential embodiment, in many ways, of, like, American celebrity culture. And, like the way that that was sort of pervade into you know political success and now there's this real sort of cult of personality around this guy that's just sort of like isn't going to good places you know and so it's like this is and and so the part of it's that you know and it's interesting that like thinking back to the 2008 election like one of the attacks on Barack, on obama from the right and even from the center was like this guy's just a celebrity you know yeah. this like this dude what has he done Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and, and it's also like, you know, politicians work for us. Like, it's like, they're not like, it's like politicians, like you shouldn't be a fan of Barack Obama, the way you're a fan of Bruce Springsteen, or, you know, you shouldn't be a fan of Biden or Kamala Harris or something, because it's like, these are people that like, like, we don't want to just be constantly like applauding them and like thanking them for, you know, what they do like it's like their job should be to make our lives better which it's like you know certainly bruce springsteen has made many people's life better um but i and like you know making your making people's lives better through art is like a different thing than making people's lives better yeah. through politics you know so it's like um like and they shouldn't be conflated and it's like yeah there's like this weird way like i found listening to that podcast that like I was just like, I feel like these guys just aren't saying anything really substantive. Like, it's like they're just speaking in kind of like generalizations. They're telling stories about themselves that we've heard a zillion times before. And then I was sort of like, oh, that's kind of the point. You know, like, it's yeah. like the reason Barack Obama is talking politics with Bruce Springsteen is because he knows he's not going to a- get asked any tough questions. You know, like, it's like, like if Obama was doing oh, this yeah.
0: Bruce Bruce isn't going to be like like hey hey Barry what what happened with the drone strikes in Syria? like, like totally, what's up what's exactly, up with that? Yeah. Did you build did yeah. you build the cages
1: on the border? Like they, like, he, like he's not going to get anything there. Exactly. Yeah. So and and that too is it's like, you know, um yeah, like we shouldn't live in a I mean like it's not good for the Democrats to I think get into a pattern where you're seeing like um yeah, like 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 this this type of thing gets normalized. I mean, it's not a huge deal because it's like Obama's not president anymore. And I'm not trying to say the podcast shouldn't exist or something. I, I just didn't oh, think cash, it like, cash,
0: cash, the check. Spotify's cutting yeah. them. They, they, they even they deserve, you know, have Bruce can buy four more Jeeps. It'll be it'll be great.
1: Totally. But it's like it, it's interesting, like something I saw just the other day was like people pointing out that like Joe Biden hasn't really given a press conference in like a really long time since he became president. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, like, that's the kind of thing where you're, like, you know, if you're a Democrat, like, you're happy that Biden won. And, like, I personally think he's, like, doing, like, a surprisingly good job so far. But you're, like, the president should probably be, like, talking to the press. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, it's certainly something that, like, yeah. And, you know, that it shouldn't just be, like, everything's communicated through surrogates and through, like, these sort of weird, um, you know, very, very managed kind of, like, media hits and things like that so yeah I don't know and so I
0: think let let me let me me, me take the conversation here because you write primarily about pop culture and and music Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and I think that there has been a constant element in celebrity but I feel like it's at an acute inflection point now uh of, of this idea of art versus artist and like when the artist goes wrong like we've we've <laughs> always had especially in music and and movies and stuff like that uh celebrities that are actually bad guys sometimes right, totally, diabolically yeah. evil black-souled humans Third right <laughs> uh and we're very keenly aware of that the list of sins has has grown the things that we kind of used to hand wave away we now look at in a much more stark light and yet still no matter how gross the the the, the pharaoh versus allen documentary is on hbo mm-hmm. people are still gonna watch annie hall no matter how uh, uh uh you know just disgusting r kelly is that we now know because of that documentary when space jam 2 comes out there are gonna be some people that you're gonna see i believe i can fly trend really, yeah. on 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 spotify because it connects with people uh, nostalgically. To mm-hmm. When 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 you say we have to have a but we have to have some kind of distance between or at least the trend of politicians becoming celebrities is a problem. That's where I see it. I see it as a problem because look at the end of the day, beyond the family of the Pharaohs and Woody Allen, we can wrestle with our own moral. A, a reasoning on whether or not we ever want to watch a Woody Allen movie again. But the stakes are as small as a couple people, right? Like right, it, right. It, it can all fit in an apartment in Manhattan. Uh, when you're talking about a politician, it's hundreds of millions of people. If totally. if we're going to hand wave away, ah, whatever, it's still a bop. I'm still going to listen to Michael Jackson. Right. I'm still going to you know do these things like that. That to me, is corrosive. That, that is that is very, very damaging.
1: Yeah, totally. And I mean, I think you're seeing it like with like, I mean, you can see it very obviously like I think in certain portions of the right, like the sort of Trump kind of addicted corners of the right where it was like everything that Trump, like it just became like, like Trump, like I mean, his like famous quote about like, you know, I could kill someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue yeah. and people would vote for me. And i like, it's kind of true, you know, that it was like, and it really did like poison people's relationship to media and like facts and stuff to have this sort of thing of like this guy there's stuff that he's doing that's just like objectively bad from like a behavioral standpoint that like to say is bad is like you're being on how dare you criticize this person because like I'm into these other aspects of them I mean it's interesting like one thing that I think about with pop culture stuff is like you know yeah there has been like you know a way that like yeah, people I think have become more critical of celebrities in certain ways and there's more ability to like sort of lash out if someone like, you know, does the smallest thing kind of wrong. But I think that's also a product of the fact that like with social media and like in the 21st century, celebrities have been able more to try to convince you that they're really good people. You know, like there's this weird thing that like artists like, like artists love getting the conflation of like, art and person when it's a good thing oh you yeah know? Like, when you're like when you're writing about like you know you know uh i mean certainly you know taylor swift or drake or whatever like would love to people to think that they're like a big humanitarian <laughs> it's like but the flip side of that then is that like yeah you know if you like step out of line or like do something stupid uh you know then like you'll get to, i mean i hate the term but the sort of quote unquote canceled thing um, but yeah, like, but that, that the, the flip side of that is like, yeah, that, you know, I think it used to be prior to social media, artists had to do things like give interviews to people who would ask them sometimes like difficult questions yeah. and like have to take stances on things that like these days you can kind of get away with not you know, Taylor Swift doesn't really have to do any magazine profiles these days because it's like, she's no. you know, yeah. So,
0: I mean, if if she does, she can choose the exact writer exactly, she wants. Exactly. She can yeah. manage it within an inch of its life uh, uh, totally. and, and have an yeah. access that, you know, before in, in, a, in, a, in a bygone era, a reporter would be dispatched by the outlet and the artist wouldn't have any say on, on what happens on the other end of it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Now, let me defend the idea for a second. Because and longtime listeners to the show will, will probably roll their eyes because I, I it's one of my favorite hobby horse ideas. But I very much believe that politics has benefited from the idea that we no longer have a monoculture.
1: Mm-hmm. That
0: in a in, in an older era, in the era I grew up in, radio meant a lot. And you know, the the, the companies that controlled radio push similar playlists. MTV was iconic. If you're on MTV, you're a star. Movies mattered on a level that they don't matter. Television was a much smaller thing. And even if it was expanding, it was looked at as disposable. So so it was mm-hmm. not something that, that meant like, oh, everybody's got to watch it unless it really rose to the top of the heap. Now, we are so expanded beyond everything. There is no central hub where you know, oh, that's an iconic music star. Maybe... TikTok is, like, the closest thing that I can even Mm -hmm. think to the concept of, all right, overnight, now you're a star. Um, Even in Spotify playlists, you don't know if your neighbor is into it. You know, everybody else who likes, you know, chill wave beats is going to be into this thing. Politics, however, has remained the one thing we all have to pay attention to. Mm Mm-hmm. Trump, being a part of it, obviously gave it a a injection of personality, the likes of which we had not seen in our lifetime. Uh, So if we are looking at a world where politics are the last thing that everybody's got to pay attention to, but they've watched everything else kind of fall away, why not? Grab at whatever little thing that you know unites everybody. Like, if everybody, if the only thing that you know you can't make. A, 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 a Dua Lupia or a, um, uh, yeah. you know, some television show reference that everybody's going to get or a YouTube reference. But, you know, if you put Joe Biden's head on Captain America and Kamala <laughs> Harris's head on Scarlet Witch, that that it's going to be a, a thing that people share. Is, is it just inevitable because we're so spread out? These are the only things we can all understand and agree on
1: yeah totally and certainly like it's like it's interesting because you see these kinds of memes like being made by both the right and the left like and it's like yeah i think that there's really definitely something to that although i would definitely say that like it's interesting that like you know one of the it's weird because like i mean culture is just in a weird place these days because there's like so much of it and there's so many sort of options and yet at the same time there are these also these like kind of troublingly huge monoliths, like 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 say like the Marvel industrial yeah. complex, yeah. like it's like, it's kind of swallowing everything or like, you know, just, or that model of movie making, you know, it's like a lot of people like film, I, I don't write that much about film, but like I have friends who do and like, yeah, there's among film critics and people who monitor the film industry, there's like a real concern that like, this is like that studios just aren't investing in kind of like, you know, what used to be like the sort of middle class of movies. Yeah. That it's sort of like everything is going towards these, um, yeah, like these, these, these. Big
0: tent pole franchise, shared exactly, universe. Yeah. yeah.
1: Which themselves are like immune, weirdly immune to criticism, you know, that it's like if you say you don't like a Marvel movie, like you're hounded on Twitter by like these, <laughs> these like people who just like, you know, um, yeah, and like, and it also it frankly doesn't matter. You know, if a Marvel movie comes out and gets gets bad reviews and critics are like, this is, I mean, and usually they get pretty good reviews, but it's like, if one comes out and it's bad, tons of people go see it anyways. Um, and so I think that that's like a little bit weird too, because you're right that it's like, it is this common language that we all have. Um, I don't know, for me, I'm just like, I, and I like Marvel movies. Like, It's like, I watch them, but it's like, I kinda, I don't want to live in a society where they're like, the only that's I think one of the things that I think bothered me, what you know, that I touched on in the political piece, too, is that it's like it represents like a pretty unskeptical relationship to how popular culture works to be doing this. You know, that it's like, in yeah. a way, by like putting Joe Biden's head on Captain America, you're not only like standing Joe Biden, you're also like giving yourself over to Marvel being like the way that you understand the world, which is exactly what Marvel wants, you know, like, or, or like what Disney wants is for well, you to yeah. think like, I yeah. I mean, yeah,
0: I think they, they, they're happy if you just, you know, subscribe to Disney plus and keep paying totally, for tickets yeah. to, to, you know, the the movies when they come out. But uh, yeah, I, it is, it's just such a weird oversimplification of something that I i i I genuinely like just wish that people were angrier at politicians or at least i like had the ability to be angry at it like in a way that like i don't want to be angry at kanye west like i i i I don't want to i i find myself excusing his behavior because i like his music so much yeah and like i i don't want to do that with politicians because at the end of the day again if kanye comes out with a stinker of an album I can just listen to his other albums and it's fine. Totally, if he exactly. says something yeah. that's way counter, which he has said something that's way counter to my personal politics, I can just be like, oh, yay. Well, look at you saying crazy stuff again. And, yeah, and, that, totally. and that'll be it. If if we turn our eyes away or get into this stand culture with politicians, then like truly bad stuff can happen. And not because they're necessarily bad people, but just because... Like you mentioned before with the with 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 the, the the press conferences. Like we spent four years talking about how important the press was and right. the press voices and and you can't, you know, uh silence the press or marginalize the press. Allowing them to do their job is is a key part of that. And and I kind of feel like there should be there shouldn't be this like Marvel versus DC Totally. Like yeah, exactly. like no. Biden's he's
1: busy and he's having brunch. So knock it off. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's weird. Like, it's like, you know, I mean, if you're a Democrat, it's like, you definitely have that feeling of like, you know, after the election, like, Oh cool. Like the good guys won. And, you know, which it creates the, the memes and stuff. But it's like, that's not actually a good place to like permanently be, you know, that it's like, I think for a democracy to work, like you need to be like, people need to be, you know, you need an informed voters you yeah know, like people that's where like partly where the press comes in and you also need like accountability for people who are in power you know you need like you, you should be treating yeah like the kanye example is a perfect example where it's like i love a lot of kanye's music too and like i've been like put off by his public behavior <laughs> you know particularly in recent years but it's like it's i personally like it doesn't really impact my my enjoyment of his like older music for that Reason and his newer music, I don't enjoy that much just because I don't think it's like that good. I don't think it's up to the standard of his previous work. But it's like my way of evaluating Kanye West is yeah. so different than, I, than than like my way of evaluating who I vote for to like make policy in the country. And it's just like yeah, and that's like yeah. Like I think if you once you start having that relationship to politicians, um, yeah, it's like democracy isn't gonna isn't gonna work that well. Um, because yeah, it's like, it can, it's just so easy to be exploited, which I think we saw, you know, at least I think I saw a lot of in the last four years under Trump was sort of like all of the stuff that sort of like, I'm getting away with this because I can, because no one on my side is like holding me accountable to anything. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: The Trump, the Trump example is, I, I always find it really, really hard to kind of, autopsy exactly how much is like all right he obviously understood the shifting world of media in a way mm-hmm. that nobody really did so yeah. like all right let's understand that that's like a 10x multiplier on anything uh he was he acted different than like any other politician mm-hmm. in our lifetime so there's a novelty factor there and and this is kind of borne out over the last four years, he's obviously speaking to a different audience right. than Republicans have in the past. And maybe part of it is just understanding the power of that. And when we're like, well, whoa, you can't do that. Every Republican that's done and said that has immediately gone away and and he does it. And it's like, oh, totally. well, yeah. maybe we need to understand that the the, the social mores that might have offended the other group. And then ultimately it turned out it was his undoing because the social mores mm-hmm. of, you know, white, uh, suburbanites are the things that wound up or are the people that didn't vote for him and voted for Joe totally, Biden yeah. and and voted him out of office. So I don't know. I it's, it's, it, it's just one of those things. I, I really resonated with your piece in Politico just because I, I do think that there is something to the, like, standing next to lady gaga standing next to bruce springsteen thing that i i get it as in like you know my my most carny of senses of like get them into the building and like you know i guess like x amount of people who really really want to hear lady gaga sing the song from the bradley cooper movie are also going to want to hear about women's reproductive rights and and so like you're gonna get that catch that but like the, the celebrity element of it has always just rubbed me the wrong way so I'm glad you wrote about it
1: yeah totally and I mean I guess the other thing too is just like you know as someone who votes democrat myself like it's like I'm interested in seeing the party like build and like bring more people in and it's like that's I think something too where you're like is this fixation on celebrity gonna help the party like yeah these appearances of these famous people like is that gonna bring it what is that doing is it like bringing more eyes to you or is it just making the is it just like generating the pleasure centers of people who are like already on your side and I don't know the answer to that but it's like yeah it's definitely something that yeah it, I, I'm with you like it, it kind of all of those sort of weird photo op things and I mean sure like lady gaga's music is great and it's cool like to have her you know perform at things like if it gets you know fundraising and stuff like that but it's like once you start once that starts to become like sort of an identity of the party um I think that's like like kind of bad and I, I just like don't want to see them go it's, just, down that it, it's, it's hollow right yeah, I think exactly.
0: that's I think that's that's the biggest thing about it is that it's like all right look if it's a part of it you know if if you know, a, a Republican's running and Toby Keith shows up and plays a song at the end of a rally because it's a massive crowd, then whatever. That's fine. Like, if right. like politically, strategically, you want to make sure you're getting the right people out there and the, those people are motivated and those people know when election day is and those people are going to bring 10 friends who bring 10 friends who bring 10 friends if if the cherry on top is, look up, my celebrity friends here. Like, yeah. here's, here's Chachi playing the spoons or whatever. Then... <laughs> then that's fine if that's the lead is like lady gaga solemnly talking about how much she loves joe biden it's like all right well that's empty like yeah exactly exactly that is that is you you knock on it and you hear a hollow sound
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: uh, well, uh, I would like to thank Jack Hamilton for joining us here. He, of course, is a professor of American and media studies at the university of Virginia. You can buy his book just around midnight, rock and roll in the racial imagination and read his piece, both in Politico and his work as a pop critic on slate. Thank you so much, Jack.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Justin. This was great.
0: All right. That'll about wrap it up for us today. If you want to thank Jack Hamilton for coming on the show, talking about Bruce, talking about celebrities, listening to my monoculture theory, uh, 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 please head on over to px3guest.com. px3guest.com. That'll forward you right to his Twitter and thank him. Thank him. For coming on the show, it's, it, it is it is a free way that you can support this program. The other free way that you can support this program, and we're about coming up on that time again, are new reviews. It's been a little bit, we're now outside of, of the election, so a lot of our reviews are very election-focused. If you would like to help the show for free, head on over to the platform of your choice, and give us five stars, write a little review. It is immensely, immensely helpful to the traction of this program, specifically when it comes to guests and larger guests, because what I found is that when you, when you ask for somebody, they're probably Googling who you are, and that's fine. I got a Wikipedia page, so I don't look like a total uh, uh, schmo. And then they go to the the, the it's usually Apple, it's usually iTunes, they go to that, and if there's new reviews, if there's a lot of five-star reviews, then you've got a, you got a better chance of landing better people. So if you want to help us out with that, go review us this week. Let's see how many reviews we can get. A few things to wrap us up on. Charlie Crist, former governor of Florida, failed Senate candidate, he is strongly considering another run for the governor of Florida. In my opinion, he would be trounced by DeSantis. Running Crist, or Chris running or winning the, the, the primary, the Democratic primary, would essentially be a, a DeSantis victory. Also, a follow-up on the story that I mentioned in our free political newsletter Ad read uh, EU regulators say that there's currently no indication the AstraZeneca vaccine is harmful. Hopefully they restore sanity there to those countries sooner rather than later. A reminder that you can email the show, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. You can tweet us at PX3 Tweets. You can find us live on Twitch, px3live.com. You can get our free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. And, of course, you can find this podcast at px3podcast.com. You can support us in so many ways. PayPal.me slash payjury is one. Shout out to one of our best fans on the planet, the Buck. The Buck R.I. hit me with a dollar Biden buck. Of course, we've got our Venmo buckaroos. Our Venmo buckaroos, the culture of sending me a dollar on Venmo when you like the episode because in the words of Josh Lopez, who sent me $1, Venmo money isn't real. I believe him. You should believe him. You should send me a dollar on Venmo, Justin-Young-20. You can also do so on cash app, uh, PX3Cash is the, where, uh, the way you do it there. Uh, also, check out our P.O. Box. P.O. Box 10853, Oakland, California, 94610. But if you want our exclusive content, our exclusive podcast on Mondays, our exclusive podcast on Thursdays, well, the way that you do that is by going to take politics seriously.com powered by Patreon. You get at our $3 level, that gives you the bonus stuff. But if you get at our $10 level, well you get your name read at the end of each and every episode. Like headphones Neil Dr. G, the other half of Whiskey Wednesday. Idris, the government unfiltered podcast. 100 Mile Runner, Berkeley Steve and Kathy Mac, Zombie Doc, D. Really? Methuthula Honeythuckle, The Gen, Middle Age Mike, Cujo, Dotcom Junkie, Calamity Zap, D. Laser, and Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Utah Jimmy Montana, Appraisers are awesome. Snuffy's on Route 44. Uh, Charles, Archie, David, Olin, and Angela, DL, Miranda, Janelle, Jenny, Robert, Casey, Paul, the most conscientious nonpartisan listeners, Brad, Richard, Just Another Pilot, Frozen Summers, Jay Pink, and Andrew. One more time, you want to join their ranks, you want to get exclusive content, you want to, you want to hear what I have to say. Oh, from the stuff that happened over the weekends, the stuff that happens after this podcast, you gotta go over to Take Politics Seriously.com. And that about brings us to the end of this episode. I don't know for sure what our interview on Friday is going to be. We've got uh. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. If you sometimes listen to my guests like we did this time, we had we had a writer from Slate.com. That is a liberal establishment. They're like, why don't you get some people from conservative establishments to talk to you? Well, I got an interview with somebody from the Cato Institute and I got an interview with somebody from the Bulwark. So I got two conservative interviews in the pike. They're both recording uh, before Friday. So we will see the best one. That, that that goes up on Friday. It's either going to be a evisceration of Andrew Cuomo. What you guys know. Oh boy, a long time coming. Or it will be a, a more contemplative look into why polls have underestimated GOP support in the last two presidential elections. But until then, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying... Uh, some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more talk about politics. But this, this is the only show that is. Talk about. Oh! oh